Welcome back to another episode of Revealed Apologetics. I am your host, Eli Ayala, and today I am very excited to have a guest with us, a good friend of mine, uh, Matt Slick from CARM.org. That is CARM.org, the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry. That uh, website has been available since the time of the dinosaurs. Uh, it has been on there uh, way back in the early days of the internet. Uh, many people who uh, began in apologetics searching material online would be very familiar with CARM.org uh, uh, because it's been around for a while and has provided lots of resources for all sorts of people, uh, not just here uh, locally where I live, but of course, all around the world. So very, very excited to have Matt Slick with us tonight. Now, before I invite him on, I just want to make a couple of quick announcements. Uh, those of you guys have seen on Facebook, uh, perhaps you visit my website, revealedapologetics.com, um, uh, that I've been advertising the online courses that I've been teaching, Precept U. We are um, currently undergoing classes now, and I'm meeting with uh, our premium students once a week. Uh, we just had our first meeting. It was a great time of fellowship and just uh, interacting with the material. Um, but those of you who missed this sign up, uh, you can sign up now on the website. If you go to revealedapologetics.com and click the, uh, the menu Precept U, and uh, you can sign up from now till February 15th, and there will be the premium option there as well if, if you're interested in that, and we'll begin meeting uh, weekly from that point on. So uh, definitely check that out. Um, I'm very happy with the content uh, that I was able to make, and I think it'll be very useful for folks who want to learn presuppositional apologetics. Um, also, I have, an, finally, I have an in-person speaking event uh, this Friday at a church in my local area. Um, and so it's been a while since I've in, been invited to speak in person, given uh, everything that's going on. Um, but totally excited about that. Um, you can book me if you want me to come to your church and maybe do a workshop or a talk um, or speak at your event. Um, that can be set up on my website. If that interests you, you can check that out. And uh, that is it. I would like to introduce a good friend, Matt Slick. And we'll, we'll bring him on right now. There we go. How's it going, Matt? It's going fine, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Staying busy, but it's all good busy. Good. Glad to hear it. Yeah. Um, every time I call Matt and I say, what's up? He's, I'm like, hey, what's going on? He's like, it's going. And he always sounds busy. So uh, if you guys are following uh, Matt, you know. He's all, he's doing all sorts of things. So uh, yeah. while you were talking, doing the intro, I'm looking at gematria charts. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that's right. You're yeah. you're always you're always multitasking. By that's the right. way, I I'm thankful that I um. It's funny we were just he was Matt was just joking about this uh, a few moments ago, but the topic for today is scripture memory and apologetics. And so I, I reached out to Matt to say, hey, you know, you want to get on early and uh, maybe we'll do like a quick uh, audio visual check. And he's like, for what? <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean for what? You're coming on my show today. So he forgot. No, I didn't. Coming on to talk about the topic of scripture memory. So, no, man, I was giving you a hard time. It was about memorization. So I said, what are we I talking about? I don't know. I don't know. It's like, it's like the guy who told me this is a true story at the uh, radio <laughs> station. He's a guy who's like doing college. And I, I found out after a couple of years of knowing him, oh, you're, you're, what's your major? He said, communication. And I went, what? And he goes, communication. I said, wait a second. I'm not, wait, what? And he goes, communicate. He goes, you're an idiot. <laughs> you are very good at trolling people sometimes. That, that, yeah. That's a well, you know, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure. You did sound genuinely like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, because I, so my, I can't show you, but I have like my lights. I have like my my studio lights in here. I got everything set up. <laughs> I'm all like ready to go. And 
Matt's probably sitting down watching a movie, eating Doritos, like, hey, what's going on? I thought it was my night off. So, no, I uh, even told my wife, I said, yeah, when Eli asked me on today, I'm going to give him a hard time. Like, memorization, what are we talking about? You know, okay. And so it's all pre planned. <laughs> it was ordained by God. Okay. So okay. All right. Yes. It was ordained by God. That's right. Um, so I'm super happy to, to to have you on today because specifically because of the topic, which uh, is scripture memory and apologetics. One of the things that struck me about you when I first started listening to your podcast years ago was that like periods at the end of a sentence, everything you said ended with a scripture reference. <laughs> and I, I always thought, I'm like, my goodness, like I wish I could memorize scripture like that. Um, and he would say, he would go, bub, 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 Galatians 4, 4, you know? So I'm just like, wow, like it's so effective to be able to um, recall scripture uh, that quickly. And, and especially when it's within the context where that specific scripture is needed, whether it's within the context of apologetics or just being encouraging to someone. Um, so I'm very, ha very happy to have you on to talk about that topic. So let's jump right in then. Um, how long have you been a Christian? Let's start there. And then let's move into your introduction to apologetics. And then I'm going to ask you a question related to scripture, which I think you're going to resonate very much with. So how long have you been a Christian? <clears throat> 47 years. Okay. All right. And so how long have you been, or how long from when you were a Christian, when you first became a Christian, did you start doing apologetics? Oh, we're not exactly sure, but we think it was 1979 or 1980. So I just used 1980, and each time it becomes January 1st, I just add one year. So 41 years. Okay. I've been doing this longer than you've been alive. That's right. That's right. I'm 38. So yes, that's right. Um, yeah, that's an immature young, but you know, back in the good old days when I was 38. And right, right, right. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's it's all good, man. But you, I, I remember when I've heard your, your testimony a thousand times and I love, I love to hear it. Um, we won't get into it now because we, you know, I, you can unpack those things and I'm sure, uh, folks have heard it before. Um, but what was the time span from when you were a Christian to the, when you started taking apologetics very seriously or was it right there together? You were a Christian. No, you no. Said, hey, I need to, okay. Oh, no. <clears throat> no, God saved me in his incredible grace. It's something I, I muse about frequently is uh, he saved me in an incredibly dramatic fashion. And then yet I actually slid, backslid for a while and, uh, and, and, and sinned. But there was always him there. And why he didn't kill me, I don't know. And then um, one day, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, I don't talk about this part of it very often, but... I was being convicted by the Lord and I actually yelled at him. I yelled at God one night. <laughs> I was with my wife, but, but she wasn't my wife then. I shook my fist up in the, at the air and God and yelled at him to leave me alone. I still remember that because mm -hmm. I knew it was stupid and dangerous, you know, but I was just immature and wanted some aspects of my sin, but I wanted to serve. It's just, it's just a confusion. And one month after that, and I remember back early, back on, I was remembering on it. I don't remember that following month. It was completely gone. There was no recollection of it. But I was, after, I was in, insatiably on fire for the Word of God. Insatiably. Reading the Bible four, six uh, hours a day. Going to Bible studies five, six nights a week. I mean, it just it was an incredible thing. And when I reflect about all of this stuff, knowing I was involved in the occult and pornography, foul language, fornication, 
and he saved me. And then I still had those old habits that were slowly being honed and I rebelled, but yet I wanted him, you know, this, it's hard to explain. And then he just showered his grace upon me. And here I am, you know, four decades later. So all I can say is God, it is an incredible mercy. I should have been killed. I should have been dead. And yet he saved me and is using me in spite of this filthy, foul individual that I still am. The only mm. thing good in me is Jesus. That's it. Mm. That, that's a fact. So yeah. he's merciful. He's gracious. He gets all, all the glory. Amen. Yeah. And I could very much resonate with that. I think this is very important too, because when we're dealing with apologetics, I think a lot of people can be captivated with the intellectual aspect of it. Yeah. it it's it's kind of cool to be able to address people's answers and to do debates and things like that. But not a lot of times do people get an opportunity to hear someone who is good at doing that, has kind of a public appearance, but then also see that vulnerable side, which reminds us of the fact that we're all just broken people being used by God. And I think that's a very important yeah. aspect to uh, to discuss um, as apologists. Um, now, you did say something that I want you to expand upon. My, one of my question was, and, and you're going to understand this right away, explain your initial obsession <laughs> with the scriptures and how that laid the foundation for your further uh, and deeper study. Now, what I mean by that is when you became a Christian, you said you had an insatiable desire to read the word of God. Why don't you unpack that? Because that was something that I experienced, which actually laid the groundwork for what I'm able to do now when I don't have as much time to jump into the scriptures. So do you resonate with that? that, that? Yeah, yeah. It, it was after that, that month that was a blank, still is a blank. It was, it's always been a blank. I'm curious about it, but um, uh, just afterwards, uh, I just could not stop reading the word. I remember laying on the couch and just reading for four hours. Hmm. And, uh, you know, where can I go to Bible study? And I had a job. And of all, you know, how many times do you ever remember what day you started a job? But November 16th, 1981, I had a, I started a job in, in uh, Fullerton, California at, at uh, Kimberly Clark. I, and uh, I was going to be a mechanical draftsman. Okay. And the engineer uh, was training me that day and he had to go out on the floor out in the factory to, to, uh, do something. And she said, just wait here. And, uh, I reached up and grabbed a dictionary and I started reading, uh, look at the word Jesus, God, Bible, uh, salvation, hell, heaven, any word I could find in there. And just to, just because I needed it, it, it was like I, I was a drug addict coming out of, out of something and I needed it. And it, that's all I can tell you. It makes no sense. But I would read so much. It, it's, it's the voice of Christ. It's his word. And I just knew. I don't know how I knew. I just knew it's his word. All of it is his. All of it's from him. All of it is true. And I just knew it. It wasn't deduction. It wasn't anything. It was something he gave me, something he put on my heart. And it's always been that way from then on. Uh, it's his word. And you know, you know me, I mean, I joke around a lot, but hey, I'll say it. This is what the word says. If you don't like it, it's not my problem. It's yours. You take it up with God. That's what he says. Yeah. And that, that's how it is with me. So. I remember, I remember you had, uh, you had a really cool intro, intro, uh, segment in your podcast a long time ago. And you did this guy, I don't know what his name was, but you were like, ER, ER Tickler. There we go. That's right. You could rip it out. And rip, <laughs> you yeah, know, this, I, I just, here, well, listen to this. 
Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is E. Articler coming at you from the Feelings Tabernacle. Today's <laughs> message is out of Deuterectomy 1313. I've been listening to you for so long. Hearing you do that voice was actually nostalgic. To me. It reminded me when I first started listening. Uh, those were so no. much fun. Uh, you had such a fun intro. Um, yeah, so. The, the reason why I asked that question is because I know a lot of people who um, do apologetics and, and you know are, are believers, strong believers. They've had that moment where they just couldn't get enough of God's word. Um, I've told people that I grew up in a Spanish speaking church and I never really picked up the Spanish. And so throughout the course of my years growing up in church, I would just sit in my little bench. We had little wooden benches and I would read my Bible for all the times we had service. So we had service Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays, and the services were two and a half hours each. And then on Sunday morning, we'd have a two and a half hour service. And then in the nighttime, we'd have a two and a half hour service. And I would just be absorbed in, in the word. And that really, a lot of the things that I know about the Bible now is actually rooted in that foundation that was laid during that time where I felt like I just couldn't get enough. It is like a drug addiction. It's almost like um, my, my wife will say, can you go upstairs? And can you get, can you bring down the hamper? And then I'll go upstairs. And of course I'm missing. And my wife will sneak up and she'll look in the room and the hamper's right next to me. And there I am standing, reading something on my phone. She goes, I told you to bring that. I was like, I'm sorry. It's almost like you had to get your quick fix for like a millisecond. Right. Because yep. you feel like you just need it in you. Um, that's right. Por que no aprendiste español? Oh my goodness, man. Don't even, that's embarrassing. Now you got the white guy. guy. <laughs> Listen, man, I'm New, I'm New Yorican. All right. I, <laughs> what you, wait, a minute, wait a minute. What did you say? I am New Yorican. So oh, I thought you said New Yorican. <laughs> what? I, I'm Puerto Rican and I live in New York. So Okay. It's really oh, bad. Good. When when I would go somewhere with my dad and someone would speak Spanish uh, to me, you'd see my dad in the background like, Tú no sabes nada. And they will push away. Yeah, he doesn't know anything. That's right. I feel like such an idiot. Um, I lost my train of thought, but that's okay. okay. Something about memorization. Uh, yeah. Well, at any rate. Okay. You go to stairs, a hamper, you're addicted. Yes, that's right. So so it's I right. know a lot of people could resonate with that. And I think yeah, this yeah. is a work of the spirit in our lives. Don't you yes, think? Yes, it is. What, what, oh, why, yeah. don't you explain, why don't you explain what is it about the work of the spirit and the desire of the believer to be in his word? What's the connection there? I don't know. Oh, stop. Come on. <laughs> the Holy Spirit bears witness of Jesus. John 14, 26, John 15, 26. And Jesus is the word. I remember you go to John 1. I mean, uh, yeah, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with us. The word became flesh, verse 14. But you go to Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says, you know, in the beginning, God created. So two genealogies, so to speak, in the beginning and in the beginning. And in, in Genesis, it was, and God said, let there be light. And so the word speaking light, if you go to John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and he says he was the light of men, etc., is drawing that connection. The Holy Spirit bears witness of Jesus, and Jesus is the word, and the written word represents Christ, because Jesus says in John 5, 39, he says, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life, but it is either bear witness of me. And in Luke 24, 44, he says that he gave them a Bible study about all that was about him in the scriptures, the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. So. That's his word. The Holy Spirit bears witness of Christ. That's his word. So the Holy Spirit confirms in our heart what the word of truth is. And Jesus says, John 10, 27, he says, my sheep hear my voice 
and they follow me. It gives eternal life to them. It's the voice of Christ. It's his word. So if you're a true Christian, you want to hear his word. If you're not a true Christian, you don't care. You want to hear something like Joel Osteen, your best life now. <laughs> okay, so so here here's a question, and and I think some people might resonate with this. You're a Christian, but you hate to read. You love Jesus, but you struggle with opening up the Bible and really just focusing. Uh, and then someone could interpret that as, well, am I a Christian then? Do I really love the Lord? I mean, I think I love the Lord, but I can't bring myself to just sit down and focus. What's the what's the what's going on there? Do you think maybe you can give some insight into that? Uh, is that just someone needing to develop discipline or is there something wrong with the person that they confess the Lord Jesus Christ, but they don't feel this desire to really dive in, into the, into his word. It just means that they don't, they're just not wired that way. That's all. If they love the Lord to confess the truth, but they're not audible or, or read, you know, readable. Uh, some people are, there's different kind of learners. Some are, are auditory. Some are visual. Some, uh, have to read some, you have to be tactile. It's, it's okay. You know, um, they don't deny the word. They want to read it. They recognize they do. They have trouble reading it, though, because maybe they're dyslexic, maybe whatever. That's okay. You know, God calls us various broken vessels. He calls us in different ways. You know, as, as I tell people, I have Asperger's, mm -hmm. which is an aut autism spectrum disorder, and I've uh, been diagnosed professionally, and um, so I have Asperger's. Okay. So... Someone has another issue. Okay. You know, you don't like reading that much. All right. Well, put an audio book on, go hear a sermon, you know, and, and that's it. And, and God can certainly overcome stuff like that. If he wants that person to be involved in something where you had to read the word a lot, you'd give him that desire. He did it to us. Sure. He yeah. Do it. Not a big deal. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I, I don't know about you, but when I was younger, I, other than reading my Bible, when I was growing up in church, I didn't like reading at all. I actually um, used to be in remedial reading, uh, and I used to have to be like, go to like special help to, to help me read. And then that stayed with me for my entire, my you know, um, elementary school, middle school, high school. And then it was only when I started getting into apologetics and I really started thinking about like the truth of it and how to defend it, where yeah. I became obsessed with getting books. And, you know, um, I mean, I have a, I have a little ministry fund now, but back in the day when I beginning, when I first got married, it was scary because my wife would be like, did you order another book? I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I felt like I needed to, you know, I needed to be reading something. Um, well, let me tell you this, that because I run Carm, I, I just, uh, charge every book I get on Kindle to Carm. I can get whatever I want, whenever I want. No problems. No, nobody asked me any questions. I can get whatever I want. No, I'm just rubbing it in. You know, I get to. I get that. I have hundreds now on Kindle. Hundreds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Kindle, yeah. Kindle's the way to go, man. Kindle's That's the right. Go. There's there's my library. There we, ooh, you got the fancy Oasis. I didn't know you rolled like that. Oh, <laughs> hey. Look at this. I got, the poor, right. I got the poor man's paper white. <laughs> it works. It works. And I have my uh, Galaxy 20 that, that I, I use because it has a pen, uh, uh, you know, a uh, stylus so I can highlight and this is bad, but I want the new foldable uh, the one that folds out uh, when it comes out with a new stylus. Okay. I don't know how I'm going to justify that. I got to find some rationalization. <laughs> hey, you know, we're cross pollinating here. We're doing apologetics, but I think this video might start streaming on one of those tech review. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, that's they right. get a lot of views. They get a lot of views. So that's actually pretty good. Oh, yeah. I love this. I'm a tech guy. I like to take my phone and rub it in my chest a couple times a day just because it feels good. <laughs> All right. Let's move. 
We'll move right along. Let's move along. Oh, you should see what I do with the, with a motherboard. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, before before we move on, I want to let folks know if you're listening in, uh, Matt will be taking questions towards the end. So if you have any questions, uh, just preface your question with question so that we can sift through um, we can sift through um, the comments questions. and things like that. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, you're sifting through questions because you said questions. Yeah, well, sometimes people have co uh, conversations in the comments, and I don't know what's the conversation. Uh, that's why you want the word question. That's right. That's right. It helped. No one ever does it, but it's it's good to try anyway. Well, that, what does that say about your audience? I don't know, man. They're just doing what they're doing now. They don't great. care. They're great. They're great. I appreciate them. Um, all, right. all right. So um, now I want to hit home the fact that memorizing scripture is very important. And then as we move down the list of my questions, we'll make some apologetic application. But um, why don't we hit uh, kind of, how can I say this? Why don't we hit on the topic of what the Bible has to say? about the importance of memorizing scripture. Because I think um, people might think just in abstract terms, like, hey, I'm not good at memorization. And so they'll kind of just keep it on the back burner. But just as we make a big deal, Matt, about how scripture commands us to defend the faith, 1 Peter 3.15, Jude 1.3, um, the Bible also tells us to memorize God's word. Why, why don't you go through some scriptures uh, that kind of um, talk a little bit about that, maybe unpack that for us. Well, this is going to sound funny because I don't have any verses memorized about memorizing scriptures. <laughs> I don't. Okay. So, but, so, but the Bible says, you know, I've hidden your word in my heart. That's out of the Psalms. Psalm 119. Okay. okay. <clears throat> but also Jesus quoted scripture and he off obviously did a lot of memory. And so what I do when I memorize stuff is I memorize uh, stuff that uh, is like grease for the squeaky wheel. So if I'm talking about Mormonism and I'm repeating it, I'm going to be memorizing that. In fact, I'm talking a lot with Muslims. And so I'm starting to memorize Quran surahs, which are chapters, and some ayats, which are verses. So I'm memorizing the ayats and uh, the addresses, which I'll tell you about a technique for memorization that's, uh, that I use. And so I memorize different things. Um, you know, and then Jesus and John, Matthew 4, he talked, you know, he quoted scripture against G, uh, Satan. That's what we should be doing. Always be memorizing the word of God. And yeah. so, yeah. So, so what does that, what does that mean in Psalm 119? Uh, may I hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against God? What, what, well, obviously, um, David's not speaking of the organ in one's chest, right? What, what's going on there and how does that relate to uh, memorizing? Well, if it's the word of God and, and uh, Isaiah 55, 11 says the word of God will not come back, come back empty without accomplishing what God desires. In Romans 1, 16, it says the gospel is the power of God to salvation. So, you know, the gospel message, which is out of Romans, uh, excuse me, out of 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 5, the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. We've got to, to know these things to be able to speak them. Well, the thing is about the word uh, that when it's in your heart, when you have it memorized, it's part of you. It's not just here, but it's here. It's it's a faith thing. Well, then it becomes very useful, and it's 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 self instructional. Uh, it rebukes you when you you know scripture. Sure. But then when you're talking, and a lot of people don't know this, this happens a lot. Uh, you'll just start quoting things you didn't even know you knew. Yeah, and that, it happens a lot. And so with the more you study the word, even though you may not have an exact address, you know what the word of God says. And it's usually that way first. You have the idea and then you get the address later. Hmm. But uh, I reverse that when I do something. I memorize, I reverse it. But okay. uh, that's what we do, you know. And so, the, you know, we should always memorize it. There's lots of reasons why, but we'll get to that. I don't want to rush hmm. 
Mm, okay. Uh, very good. And um, when you study scripture yourself, what are your methods of memorization? So what do you do for a memoriz memorization? Well, I know you have an article on it. I remember reading it a while back. I don't know if that's a method you use or you're simply yeah. suggesting to people. No, that's what I do. Okay. Um, yeah, I memorize, uh, I suggest people memorize the address first, not the verse. Okay. I say John three sixteen. you know, God loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, etc. Everybody knows that verse. Well, use that as a representative verse. Just remember John three sixteen. 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 Because if you can remember remember the address, but you forget what it's about, you can go find it. But if you remember the gist, God loved the world, well, where is it? I don't know where it is. It just doesn't have that credibility. So I always memorize the address first. And if I can share my screen, I'll show you something. Sure. This is what. Uh, I don't know if it's going to ask you for permission or whatever, but. Here we go. We'll find it. Okay. And uh, let's see. That should be the right one. Okay. While you're while you're doing that, and I'll share it up on the screen. I just want to let people know if you have questions, keep sending them in. I see a couple being sent in now. Um, we'll get to them in, in a bit. But um, okay. let me see if I can share the screen here. There yep. we go. I don't know if it can be seen, but so this is my Excel spreadsheet. Okay. And I have a, a system where I'll put in verses, and this is how I one of the things I will, will review in order to uh, memorize. Hmm. So you can see I've got a lot and um, got down to 564. Doesn't mean that's how many I have memorized. But uh, so when I have a verse that I want to memorize, like, you know, go to Galatians 4.4. 4. Well, I'm going to go down. I'm going to find Galatians, you know, because you mentioned Galatians 4.4, 4, that sure. Jesus was created, you know, made under the law. So I'll just go down and find, you know, Galatians 4. Hey, look at that. I don't have it in there. Watch this. So what I'll do is add this. I used to teach Excel. Oh, that's Ephesians, Galatians. There it is. Doofus. And so I can sort by this little system I've got here. I put the full verse here, and I have the address here, and this, and uh, I can do some other stuff with it. So, and I started doing this. How many have I got memorized? I just haven't gone through them all yet to see, so I can start working on stuff. In fact, sure. hold on one more time. I'm going to grab something else. Sure. <clears throat> So uh, <clears throat> here we go. Just happen to have these this out, and I'll stop sharing my screen. Uh, da -da 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 -da. Memorization cards. Oh, the good old index card technique. <laughs> it's a yes. Job. Oh wow. Yes, these these are. I had to use three rubber bands because it'll break, and um, so you know, go through and and memorize them. You know, and and uh, so. What I like, I'd say to people is memorize the, the address and the gist of what it is, mm. not the entire verse. You know, like 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sin in his body on the cross that so we might die to sin and live to uh, live and live uh, for by his stripes we are healed. Well, what's the gist of the verse? He bore our sin in his body on the cross. And I can tell you how a technique is, but that's what, that's what you do first. Okay. Memorize the address and the gist. That's it. And I recommend people take a piece of paper and uh, write it, hand write it out or do if you're like me or, you know, you know, Excel and you can print all this stuff up and all these things. Well, then just carry it with you. Print it up, carry it with you. You're in a line and you're waiting for something. You get out in your review 
And there's some other stuff I can tell you too, but that that's just, you know, some of the ideas. Well, okay. So um, you obviously were a, a, a Christian when you had your kids. How did you, um, how did you teach your kids how to memorize scripture? Is it the same thing? How did you incorporate that in raising your children? Yeah, I did it by what's called inculcation. To inculcate means to teach by repetition. So one of the things I would do is um, we had a dining room table, rectangular table, and I would sit at the head. My wife would sit at the other end, and then we'd have dinner and have three daughters. And um, <clears throat> so I would take a Bible. I usually would take a, a low-level translation, nothing too too technically accurate. but Not you know, the NASB? I thought you only used the NASB. That's the translation oh. Paul used. That's that's how you should use. Yep. And uh, so I would use a living Bible because it was so casual. We're talking two years old, three year old, four year old, things sure. like that. Five, sure. six, seven, eight. And uh, developed into a, a procedure. What I would do is as things evolve, when you do it every night, you know, every, almost every night at dinner, we do a little devotion. And uh, <clears throat> the daughters would sit next to me and and I would read like I would. So I'd go to the book of Ruth, for example. And you want to go to a story and and uh, what I would do because you asked. Sure, and, no, go for it. And uh, and they lifted up her voices and wept again. And Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So that's a verse, right? I could be reading. They lifted up their voices and they were crying again. And uh, Orpha kissed her mother and went to McDonald's. And got a hamburger, but Ruth and they'll go, Dad, and I say what? And and because they're listening for me to add something ridiculous into it. So that okay. was one of the ways I'd get them to remember. Okay. And then what I would do, uh, and there's other particulars I would do with them. But what I would do is before the study, I would say, Okay, ready for the questions? What's the hypostatic union? And I'd point. What's the communicatio idiomatum? And I would point. What's justification, imputation? And they would answer the questions. And I say, What verse is this? What verse is that? And so <clears throat> I raised them to learn doctrine, to learn scripture. And uh, we talked about salvation and the whole bit. And this is what we did. And uh, <clears throat> there you go. It's, you know, stuff you can do. Mm, very good. That's helpful because I think, uh, I think uh, in your mind, you're kind of like, hey, these are just the things that I used. Um, but in a lot of people's minds, they, they wonder, well, how, what does that look like for me? I think that's a good way of kind of giving them a context to do it within their own, within their own houses. Uh, this is, raising your children to know scripture is so important. This is something that I've dropped the ball on a lot. My wife is so good with the kids. I feel like, um, a lot of people look at me as, uh, you know, like within the realm of apologetics and apologetic methodology, I'm considered by many the nice presuppositionalist, but, uh, nobody sees me lose my patience when I'm at home. And I, my kids are screaming. I'm not as nice sometimes. And so um, my wife works better with the kids. She enforces those things much more consistently than I do. Unfortunately, I, I need to up my game in that area. But I think it's good for people to hear how you did that and um, kind of gives them some insight into some helpful ways to do that with their own children. Um, all right. Very good. Um, I want to ask a question with regards to the power of Scripture. Now, we do know that the, the Scripture is the Word of God. Um, why don't you unpack your understanding of the power of Scripture? What is the power of Scripture? Now, the reason why I asked that question is because I know it's not the sort of like mystical power. There's no mystical thing in quoting words. Uh, but why don't you explain the relationship between the word of God spoken and the working of the spirit and, and how how when we say that verse, the word of God does not come back void. How does that all work out and why is that important? Because God's a sovereign king who does all things after the counsel of his will, Ephesians 1.11. And so we have to understand that as we speak his word, what we're actually doing is communicating inspiration. Mm 
Inspiration means it's God breathed. So Second Thessalonians, uh, excuse me, Second Timothy three sixteen. All scriptures inspired of God. Theopneustos. So it's breathed out of God. And so what we have the privilege of doing is speaking it. Now the Greek. The New Testament was written in Greek, but we don't speak Greek. We speak in English. So the question is, when we translate it to English, does it have that inspired nature? Yes, it does. Even though it was not the English writings that were inspired, it was the original Greek writings. And we have copies of the original Greek writings. Then we have translations of those original copies of the Greek writings. So the, some people, when they talk about this, say the inspiration of Scripture occurs when you hear it. And they could do some kind of interesting dialogue. So, excuse me. It's okay. <clears throat> and stuff like that. But what I like to say is, look, the word of God is what it is. And he's, God speaks to his people. He also speaks to the unbelievers. Here's something I've been thinking about recently is that it, I'm concluding that everybody is under covenant relationship with God, okay. unbeliever and believer. When God said to Adam, who represented all people, Romans 5, 18, 1 Corinthians 15, 22, he, uh, he represented all people. He said, uh, Adam, rep, you know, take care of the ground. He broke that covenant requirement. But as it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, in Adam all die. So they were in him. I believe the covenant aspect was given to him. Also, in Genesis 2, 17, God says to Adam, that day that you eat of this, you will die. They eat of the fruit. He's speaking to all people. So I believe that all people are under covenant obligation, whether believer or unbeliever, to follow the requirements of what God has stated. And one of them is to believe his word, that you, if you deny his word. And Satan comes in in Genesis 3.1 and said, indeed, as God really said. said. So he doubts the word of God. There's a, it's a demonic, satanic thing to doubt God's word. It's a satanic doctrine <clears throat> to say, well, did God really say? I'm going to doubt God's word. It's actually a form of Satanism. Well, I, I want to contrast that with the power of the word, you know, let there be light and the word became flesh. And we have to realize as Christians that we need to speak the word of God. Even when you're talking to unbelievers, speak the word of God. One of the verses I use a lot on discord talking to unbelievers is I will use it's turning out to be the most commonly quoted verse I give to them. Romans 1:18. They suppress the truth of God in their unrighteousness. And I say this over and over and over. I probably quoted it a hundred times in the past month. You are doing what the Bible says. You're suppressing the truth of the inner unrighteousness. And they say, well, we don't believe the Bible. I say, well, it doesn't matter. Whether you believe it or not is irrelevant to, the, to whether or not it's true. Right. Because God's word is true. Because everything God says is always true. And the nature of truth comes from God. Therefore, it's a moral obligation to believe everything that God says. So truth and the adherence of truth is a moral obligation. If you deny truth, did God really say, or you're like a leftist wacko moron puke face newscaster on the leftist uh, uh, media who says that truth is a commodity to be twisted, then you're they're actually being satanic. They don't realize this, but it's actually a form of Satanism in the denial of the truth of God. So the more I look at this, the more I'm seeing the division between truth and lies. You either believe God's word or you don't, and you're believing lies. So what we are obligated to do as Christians is to rest and trust in the truth of God's word, speak the truth of God's word, because everybody's obligated to believe the true, truth of God's word, whether they acknowledge it or not. It's our job to preach that word because God, what he will do is use the power of that word, don't know how that works, and the power of the Holy Spirit to convict people 
John 16 talks about that, <clears throat> and bring people to faith in him. And that's what we've got to be doing all the time. Hmm. All right. That's excellent. Very good. Now you said something with regards to scripture that you use when you're speaking with unbelievers, Romans chapter one, verse 18. And I think that that's great. We use scripture regardless of whether they believe it or not. It's the word of God and right. the word of God does not go out alone. It works along with the spirit and yep. uh, it works in the way, well, he works in the way that he works alongside uh, the utterance of his word. So I think that's very important to keep in mind. Now, you, you mentioned unbelievers, so now we're going to make the application here to apologetic. So why don't you define, uh, most people are going to know the definition, but why don't you define for us what apologetics is and how does memorizing scripture apply to the apologetical task? Apologetics is a branch of Christian theology that deals with the defense and the establishment of the Christian faith. And you can go to 2 Timothy 2.15 and also 1 Peter 3.15 for that. Sure. And what was the second part of the question? How does, it, how does it apply to our task of apologetics? Memorizing scripture? Yeah. Well, since I do a lot of apologetics, some of the guys in in the room here may know, uh, you know, I go to Discord and, and I could go on right now and I, and I can go into a room and they'll just start firing questions. They actually have on Discord server rooms designated for me to go into where unbelievers line up to ask, to ask me questions. Hmm. So what I've discovered, and I discovered it a long time ago, is that they need documentation. They want documentation on all kinds of stuff. So okay. one of the things I do is develop outlines. You and I have talked about that. But <clears throat> here's what I'm doing. I'm going to share the screen again. Sure. And uh, <clears throat> and our discussion about outlines are super important. Uh, yes, it is. I, I thought it was excellent because after we spoke, I actually made a couple of outlines, and they're just completely helpful and useful to help me kind of follow a train of, of thinking. And, and I uh, appreciate that. So outlines are great. <laughs> yes, they are. Okay. So you got to add that in and then I'll show okay. you what I'm oh, doing more and go. more. Sorry about that. I didn't see that. That's all right. So outlines and evolution. So for example, you know, I go over here and I can show people how to do this kind of stuff. Here's dating methodologies. Uh, and I'll just make it bigger on the screen. So look what I'm doing. Documentation. Hmm. Okay. Documentation. 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 Now, this is something I've been developing for a while. And, uh, you know, this is on, on dating methods. I found the Achilles heel of evolution. It's, it has to do with uh, geology and dating methods. So I'm talking to them and they want documentation. I'm thinking about creating something else on leftist wacko morons. Now, and, one, sec one second, Matt. You, yeah. I, uh, I see the, the outline that you made. What's that on the far left? Is that like kind of a table of contents there? Well, when you uh, do this, see what I do is this. So here's one and two. So you come up here, big bang. That's a, a, a heading. You right mouse click and you can modify and you can get to a certain size or whatever you want. The next level, I just do one thing here explained. That's level two. And so what happens is level one shows up there and level two shows up here. It may be too too small for the screen there. Sure. But um, there's a way on your on StreamYard, there's a, a single down below. There's a single window. You can there get you and then they can see <clears throat> they can see that. So I have one and two, sometimes three, like in dating methods. So I have I do uh, uh, the black, I do purple and I do uh, blue and then green. I do documentation. 
And so the goal is to be able to come over here, like dating methods and issues, radiometric dating methods, defined. Well, what is it? Assumptions of. Oh, these are the assumptions. And so revolution, evolution impossible. It's a, uh, a Kindle book I've got. So this is what I do. And if I'm, I have a couple of things I want to do, like, for example, a human evolution, Australopithecus afarensis. I need to get documentation on these things. Okay. Because these are a lot of my old notes. So I, you know, I just work that way. It's what I do. And um, so when I do, uh, let's see, the canon, Catholic, here, like Catholicism, I let that Catholicism open up. Uh, in fact, uh, while it's counting, I'll go back to that. That's, so my evolution thing's 31 pages. Okay. And uh, I'll get to that one in a sec. I also put in uh, index stuff. And I'd be willing to teach people how to do this. It's easy stuff. Uh, and I like to do that kind of a thing because it's, it's helpful. Whoops. Hit the wrong key. And uh, it helps me because of what I do for a living. I need to have this kind of stuff, but most people don't. Right. So so my uh, Catholicism uh, outline is 169 pages. Oh, wow. 169 pages. And so what I do is I use the same methodology. I got to change the colors. Uh, and I've developed uh, like this one, make it all black. I change it from blue to black and bold and stuff like that. And um, so then it changes all the, the things like that. And, I'm gonna, and I just developed this color outline. I'm going to unify all of them under one thing. Right. So documentation is really important. And so, for example, if I'm going to go to paragraph 2068, Okay, uh, observe the commandments to obtain salvation. Uh, the mission of teaching all people and preaching the gospel to every creature so that all men may attain salvation through faith, baptism, and the observance of the commandments. Now, for example, this right here, I'll talk to Catholics a lot, and I'll quote this a lot. And so because I've quoted it a lot, I could, I've it memorized from so that all men may attain salvation through faith, baptism, and the observance of the commandments. Well, if I'm going to be talking about that, I need to know other verses. I need to know scriptures, sure. like Romans 3.28, Romans 4.3, Romans 4.5, uh, Titus 3.5. These are the ones that I will put here. So if I'm looking at my outline, I'm having a discussion or debate, I've got this, I can just quote this. I can take it, copy it, right? Put it into a chat thing. And I can also do this. I can quote these. And so because I do apologetics the way I do, I need this kind of stuff and I need information and I need um, documentation. So Catholics bow before Mary the same as Jews bow before the ark. Therefore, it is not idolatry. It's what they say, right? Uh, and then I go through and I respond to that and I put documentation in it. Mm. And you'll notice that I need to have scripture, okay? And, and I put Jesus' words in red. That's awesome. So the idea is to have things done because this is the word of God. So when I talk to anybody and I'm talking to, you know, Muslims, you know, so Muslims will come up here in a sec, their abrogation. This is uh, only 57 pages long. So here's the Quranic verses I need to memorize, okay? And so <clears throat> documentation is critical. Here, watch this, 157. Oh, look at this. This is great. <laughs> they said in boast, we killed Christ Jesus, the son of Mary, the apostle of Allah, but they killed him not, nor crucified him, but so it was made to appear to them. 
Ooh, wait a minute. Who made it look like someone was crucified who looked like Jesus? Who did that? You know, and uh, so I had to find commentaries and uh, I, you know, I got to redo a lot of stuff here. Sure. And here's the Tassir. This is what it says. This is their commentaries. And here's the documentation. All right. So you can see that I'm constantly, um, you know, working in apologetics. I'll be on the radio and I've been doing this for 41 years. And plus being autistic, I remember patterns easier. Right. I mean, I'm 64. Literally, when I drive down the road, if I see, because up here in Idaho, you see geese, I'll count them. While you're driving? While I'm driving. <laughs> um, if I'm walking around the sidewalk, I try not to step on any cracks. Uh, I'll count how many um, steps I, I take to a place. I try and be efficient and do things. I have games I play with myself to keep my mind occupied. Well, that's kind of whacked, but you know what? Because I see patterns, I see patterns not only when I memorize, but I see patterns in the verses and how they relate to them. Then it becomes a group thing, like the doctrine of the Trinity, hypostatic union, justification, imputation. And so when someone talks, if someone were to say, Matt, talk about justification, Romans 3.28, Romans 4.3, Romans 4.5, go to James 2, 14 through 26. We've got to talk about that. But don't forget Galatians 2.16 and 2.21. Uh, Those are also important. Well, <clears throat> let's talk about the hypostatic union. John 1.1, 1, 1, verse 14, Colossians 2.9, Philippians 2, 5 through 8, Hebrews 1, 6 through 8. These are the verses that need to be in that topic. And so I'll go into them. And so the, the thing is that when you're memorizing scripture and you repeat them, and that's something I've got to talk about is repeating them, they become simple. It becomes like another language. Entonces, si quieres aprender otra lengua, como español, necesitas estudiar y aprender vocabulario. So if you want to learn another language, you got to study the vocabulary and learn stuff. It's the same thing. If so, if I go to, to Mexico and I'm sitting there for six months. Just no, 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 let's make, let's make it relevant. You go to Puerto Rico. <laughs> go to Puerto Rico para vivir y aprender la lengua. I go there to live and I learn the language. Because I'm not fluent, fluent. I'm just semi-fluent. Okay, but I want to learn. You're, you're fluent enough to preach the gospel and get out. <laughs> That's right. And before they realize, wait, 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 he said some things wrong. <laughs> and so it's like learning a language. So if I say vocabulary like deleterious, what's deleterious mean? Hidden harmful effects. All right, deleterious, hidden harmful effects. Okay, That's what that is. First Peter 2.24, he bore our sin in his body on the cross. Think of the word with the definition. That's what you do. Think of a, it's a, it's vocabulary, like, like learning a language. People are so impressed. I have all these verses memorized. It's not impressive. I'm not being humble. It's not impressive. If you were to go to France and live there for six months, and you're hearing French all the time, you're going to come back, what'd you learn? Oh, about 300 words. Sure. Is that impressive? Sure. Not really. You yeah. just hear it. It's yeah. the same thing. I just do it. I go to, I go to, uh, I used to go to Pal Talk a lot. I go to Discord a lot. I'm on the radio, you know, I've been doing radio for 16 years, do interviews where I got to quote scripture. So it's frequent. And mm -hmm. if you don't use them a lot, you forget it. So get the verses you want, get the piece of paper you want, and practice it. Yeah. Because not only do you have to know the verse, but in apologetics, you have to understand how to use it. Mm. And what it means, like Romans 6, no, I can go into baptism stuff. Oh, I love messing people about baptism. Well, Ooh. go for it. Just that if you want to unpack it and make an application, that that's why I have you on, man. <laughs> well, how about this? I'll do something quicker and 
No, I'm going to do baptism. Okay. Okay. Why was Jesus baptized? Are you asking me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. To fulfill the law. Okay. What law? He had to be baptized uh, when you go into the concept of um, the high priest. Okay. Melchizedek the priesthood. The high, yes, the Melchizedekian priesthood. Um, he, he had to be um, uh, cleansed with water, anointed by the Spirit. He had to be at least 30 years old. All those things are connected to Old Testament categories that he was fulfilling. Right. And it's in Numbers chapter 4, Leviticus chapter 8, and Exodus 29. I learned that from you, by the way. I know you did. <laughs> That's right. That's right. People and, don't know this. People don't know this. That the um, I have I have two seminary degrees. I have two master's degrees, a master of arts and theological studies, and a master of divinity with a theological focus. And people are like, oh my goodness, like wow, you probably learned so much in seminaries. Actually, I don't remember anything from seminary. Most of my theology is at Carm University. I listened to so much Carm at the beginning of all this that that's where I got most of my doctrine. And then I began to, you know, kind of branch off into other things. So as you were talking about the importance of doing and listening, um, I wanted to say this because people have heard me say this before, is that when we're doing repetition and trying to remember, you need to engage the material such that the material becomes the background music of your mind. It's there kind of go. like, you know, like the words of a, it's almost weird. Like you could even know, like before the words is spoken in a song, you kind of anticipate it and you need to be so familiar with scripture that it's just the background music. So that when a context arises to apply a certain scripture, it's like a song's playing in your head and you're able to give the scripture that's relevant to that specific context. And so it's, it's a magical thing. It's almost like, it's like, how did I do that? It will, because it's, it's flipping around in your head and it's coming out when it's needed. So. There you go. Hey, I wish I'd have said that. That's good. But but go for it. You were going to say something about baptism. Oh, well, it, the idea of, of, of stuff. I like to mess people up, all right? Mm -hmm. So I don't go to Bible studies because I mess up Bible studies and people aren't happy because I'll ask difficult questions. You know, say they're talking about baptism. Baptism is so important. And I'm like, oh, man, all these verses about baptism. You know, I could really throw a, just a, you know, just a little grenade. You know, when I walk out and the bodies are spiritual bodies are all over the place, you know, well, baptism means that you're supposed to be um, immersed in water, right? For believers, right? That's what it says. And they say, I say, well, baptizo, does it mean uh, immersion? They go, of course it does. So why was Jesus baptized? To fulfill all righteousness. And so I show them the, the scriptures. I show them what it does. And I said, and the high priest also had to be sprinkled. So he's sprinkled, right? And they go, what? And I show them the verse, uh, thus you shall do for them for their cleansing, sprinkle purifying water on them and let them use a razor the whole body and wash their clothes and they shall be clean. So now Jesus didn't do every single thing. It's not recorded, but he's clearly emphasizing, and the writer of Matthew is emphasizing the necessity of fulfilling the Old Testament law. So it looks like the baptism that Jesus underwent was by sprinkling. People say, that can't be. And I say, oh, yes, it can be. And then what I'll do... <laughs> Is I will go to. I love doing this. I go to. I go just go to here. Go to. Oh wait, wait. Uh, James White's trying to get into the room now. I don't know. <laughs> imagine, okay, that's fine. I'm like, oh, maybe. Imagine. I'm just kidding. He's kind of the the Baptist boogeyman for for <laughs> Presbyterian. Well, I, I have no problem with that. You know, it's great. I'm totally kidding. He's he's not there. <laughs> and I, and I'll show some covenant stuff if you guys want. But this is all all connected to baptism. Sure. So check this out. What does Acts two seventeen say? 
<clears throat> actually verse starting at verse 16. This is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind. Right? And then you go down to verse 18. I will in those days pour forth my spirit and they shall prophesy. So there's prophecy, and then there's a lot of verses in the Old Testament. I'm just going to Acts because he's quoting them. Sure. The coming of the spirit is by the pouring forth, right? Isn't that right? Okay. That's what it says. Sure. Well, you go to Acts 1.5. For John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, that's Acts 1.5. I just read Acts 2.17.18. So if Acts 1.5 says you'll be baptized with, John baptized with water, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What's that baptism of the Holy Spirit mean? The pouring forth of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. So the word baptized here must mean pouring. That's how it's used in the Old Testament. Is that <laughs> not correct? When I first met Matt, the way I knew where, like, like I went into, it was in New Jersey. Is it a, a, a no. Jersey Fire? It was called the Jersey Fire, whatever. It sounds like a bad club, right? The Jersey, yeah, Jersey Fire. fire. <laughs> and I walk in. I, I knew Matt was going to be there. I never met him. We'd spoken on the phone uh, for a couple of years before this. And so I was finally getting to meet Matt. And I was like, where, where is this guy? And of course, where was he? He's surrounded by a bunch of people trying to convince them of infant baptism. <laughs> so this is a topic. Oh, I'm trying to convince them. They asked me. Uh, well, you were also doing some convincing, I and and again, I was, of course. Always, I, of course, and and there was the the scripture memory there that I thought was, you know, it was very characteristic of you. Um, yeah. So that that's good stuff, man. That that is really good. Well, stuff. There's a lot more teaching baptism all over, but the point is that as we're talking about this, in my head is Acts twenty two sixteen, Acts two thirty eight, First Peter, First um, Peter two twenty one, three twenty one. Excuse me. Also Galatians three twenty seven. Uh, you know. The verses we talked about in the Old Testament, Matthew chapter 4, I got those issues. We can go into Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Very interesting stuff. And don't forget Colossians 2, 11 and 12, which I cross-reference with Romans 4, 11. So let me let people know, if you memorize scripture like Matt, you'll be able to do all sorts of magical things. I remember, I remember listening to a debate, okay, it was on baptism. You were tying the guy in knots because of scripture. I mean, you knew the scripture and uh, you left the guy with a scripture. You said, I need to go use the restroom. And then your mic was still on and you were quoting scripture from the bathroom. <laughs> which oh, means, I was talking to you. I had to, yeah, I had to, yeah, which <laughs> sorry. Means, which means you didn't have a monitor in front of you. You just memorized scripture. So if you memorize scripture like that, you'll be able to refute heretical teachings from the bathroom. And that's that's, That's right. right. I, I remember that. I had to go so badly. Excuse me. And I, I'm going to listen. But he says, I can, wait a minute. That's what oh, it says. Gonna... It was hilarious because when you left, it was just the guy on the screen and he's struggling with the picture that you, and, and he's like, you could hear, you could hear him like underneath his voice, like reading it. And then you like finished the verse from the bathroom. It was like, this guy is like, it was hilarious. Um, Sorry. I no, it, rude, but... apologize. It, 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 it just goes to show like, I mean, even though it was funny, the fact is you knew the scriptures and you were able to kind of just, you know, make your point. And so whether it's on the in the toilet, whether it's uh, on the street, I mean, I've seen you do street witnessing. It is just an invaluable uh, yeah, tool to know God's word. And so, uh, of course, we've had some funny, uh, funny experiences like that. Um, let's move on to um, some apologetic application. OK, um, how has scripture memory 
helped you in your evangel your evangelism and apologetics with Jehovah's Witnesses? <laughs> the Jehovah's Witnesses know more than the average Christian by far because they're inculcated in their church into cultic thinking. So you have to memorize as much as you can, and they're going to use verses and stuff that uh, the scriptures that show that Jesus Christ is not God. You mm -hmm. know, you know, uh, John 14, 28, uh, where, you know, he says, father's greater than I. And you get to know about that. You got to know where those things are. Sure. And uh, you have to know things like they're going to alter. You happen to know, you know, I mean, I do this for a living. You don't have to all know all this. But, you know, they they alter uh, Hebrews 1, 8, you know, where uh, they worship uh, God. Worship. I mean, he's uh, worshiped. Uh, sure. Hebrews 1, 6. And uh, but there's a quote from Psalm 45, 6. And so I know where to go in the Bible and stuff like that. But I know tricks um, to show that Jesus Christ is God in flesh from using their own Bible. But I'm going to tell you, if you can do something like this, you have to have the addresses memorized, you know, and you can say to them, uh, I think it says someplace in the Old Testament. Uh, I think it says where God appeared. OK, that's nice. What does that mean? I don't know. We can find it. Let's start to sit down and read for five hours. Maybe we'll come across a verse. It just, you know. So one of the things is I'll be talking to it. For some reason, they don't come to my door anymore. I don't know why. I always invite them in. They they want to leave after a while, but then I have to unbolt everything and and stuff. But uh, you know, and so I just quote them the, the Bible. I quote them scriptures. You have if you can do cult evangelism, you have got to know scriptures. That's right. And you got to know the other stuff. You have to. I'm sorry, but you do. Mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> that's not to say that if you don't. You can't be used of God. But I remember a story that Chuck Smith said. I never forgot this story. Chuck Smith, the founder of Calvary Chapel. I used to go to his church. We were, my wife and I were baptized by Chuck. And she got saved at Big Calvary, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. She said that there was this, uh, this girl who would go to a park. She was a new convert. She'd go to a park and she would witness. She didn't know much at all. And this guy would come up an atheist guy, I think it was an atheist guy, he said, and would ask her all these difficult questions. Hey, ask me the difficult questions, folks. Gather around. Let's go to town, all right? And we'll talk for 20 minutes about presuppositionalism. And so what uh, what she did was said, you know, I, I don't know the answer to that, but I know this, that if you trust in Christ and you believe in him, he will save you from your sins. That's all she knew. Mm -hmm. And she said each week this, she would go out and witness and this guy would come up with something new. She didn't have an answer. And she just said that happened for several weeks. Here he comes again. And she says, oh, no, here he comes again. And he just walked up and said, what do I do to become a Christian? <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. Do I have cult reputation web versus my website? Yeah. Matt, 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 Matt crumbles up his outlines. He was like, oh man, <laughs> I thought I was going to, thought I was going to be able to use my, see, that's fine. It's a funny thing. You could do all this work and you still have to leave room for God's timing. Um, yeah, and right. no one to, you know, uh, that's funny. Um, there's a warning yeah. though. I'm going to say there's a warning to, to this. Okay. There's a, there's a bad side because you start to, when danger is to use your memory, your intellect, your ability instead of relying on God's spirit. Mm. And this is it. We fall in our strengths as well as our weaknesses. So it's, it's, you know, I used to, I used to go in the scorched earth policy of, of slick apologetics and leave, leave nobody vertical. You know, everyone's got broken spiritual bones. You're trying to recover. And uh, back in the immature days, now I try to be far more gentle as Colossians four, five, and six says, and, and uh, second Peter, no, uh, 
Second Timothy two twenty five and twenty six. Twenty four through twenty five. That's right. I got sometimes. Sometimes you get them mixed up because you got so many in your head. Right, right, right. Yeah. I remember your cutthroat days. I, I knew when it was coming because I, I, um, I listened to so many. I listened to so many podcasts. I kind of knew when your voice would change or if the nature of the call. Oh, I'm like, oh, this guy's gonna, this guy's gonna get it. And so, so Matt will be like, hey, wait, wait one, one second. So are you Jehovah's Witness? And I was like, please don't say yes. <laughs> <laughs> the guy will hesitate. Should I say I am a Jehovah's Witness or not? And it'll be like a good solid four seconds of silence. It'll be like, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, it's over. Honey, get the popcorn. Oh, that was hilarious. But again, you would you would get them with scripture. I mean, yeah, you grilled them and they called your show. So they're going to expect something like this. But um, I've never in my this is my own personal experience. I know people can say, you know, this person, that person. But I have never seen the power of scripture memory used in apologetics as well as I've seen it when when you've done it. Um, and what I like about how you do it is that you can talk at that scholarly level. But on the normal, you just take this stuff and really just make it applicable to the average person. And I think that's why for me, I've been able to remember a lot of the things that, that you've taught because of the way you phrased it or the way you said it. Um, so that's very, very important. I think. Yeah. I remember a lot of our conversations on the phone. I'll say something. You'll go, Hey, that's really helpful. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You used to test me all the time. You, you, you'd, you'd be like, uh, you would be talking and you'd be like, yeah, you just need to know doctrine. What's justification. I'm like, Oh, justification to be declared right before God. Like I had to make sure I knew like when Matt Smith called, I don't want to pick up the phone the first time when he calls. The first call is the warning to go to CARM and make sure I know my definitions. And then when Matt calls me, I'll be like, aren't you okay. going to ask me what the communicatio idiomatum is? And he's like, nope, I just had a question about something. I'm like, all right. Okay, so what is the communicatio idiomatum? It's the communication of the attributes. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. Oh, man. <laughs> is that the difference between uh, uh, the, the, the communicable and incommunicable attributes of God? Is it related to that? No? The communicati oh, idiomatum is the communication of the properties, where the properties of both natures of Jesus are ascribed to the single person. Yes. Okay. That's right. Okay. I knew that. It's been a while since I've, I've heard yeah, that. Yeah, it's been too long. I'm going to have to call you and start quizzing you some more. Yeah. It's been a while. but. All right, so let us from here move on to uh, the audience questions because we're at the top of the hour here, or the bottom of the hour, top of the hour, whatever. And um, I just have to put this one on the screen. I love this. Uh, let's see, someone posted it before. <laughs> okay, we said it in passing. And uh, someone put, uh, where is CARM University? <laughs> <laughs> I said, I learned my theology at Carm University. Well, where is Carm University? I want to enroll right now. I'm sorry, quiet girl. Carm University is just my fancy way of saying the Carm podcast. That's literally, and, and Carm.org. Uh, I learned um, at the beginning where I learned my doctrine, it was just devouring the articles. The beautiful thing about Matt's uh, website is that the articles, for the most part, are short. If you need to kind of get a good summary of a doctrine without getting bogged down with like hours and hours of study, it's a great reference tool. So karm.org and of course the podcast. So that's where Karm University is. Unfortunately, Matt's your instructor and he's a little crazy at times, but. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. I got issues. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go uh, here. Wait, wait, there's another one. I'll get my super chat here. Thank you so much. Israel of wisdom media, $5. I appreciate that. Um, and he asks, what can I do to get some bath re bathroom revelations? I guess that's a, a, a reference to you knowing uh, scripture while you were on the toilet there in a okay. debate, in a debate. 
you want to know how to do this, what you have to do is do it. So like martial arts, it took years of martial arts. You don't walk into a class and then you know everything. You have to get right. thrown a thousand times and you know how to get thrown. You know how to throw. You got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. So you can go to Discord. For I, I just go to Discord yeah. and I'm there all the time. I was, I was there today answering questions and uh, that's what you got to do. And it becomes a habit. Now, here's the thing. If you think you want to do this, don't do it because you think you might need to and you're trying to push yourself to. Sure. It, it'll kind of burn yourself out. You have to be called to do it because apologetics is difficult. Apologetics is time consuming. Apologetics requires uh, a lot of knowledge in a lot of areas. The more you do, like me, if you go to CARM, you'll see I've written, I think, 5,000 or 5,500 articles on all kinds of topics. Well, that's just, that's just me. Okay. But, you know, some people are called to do apologetics in one narrow area, like Bill McKeever, a friend of mine. He just does Mormonism. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, um, what's his name? Malone. Oh, I guess. Vocab. 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 Yeah, he does uh, BHI, Black Hebrew Israelite, you know. And so then you study those things relative to that. Me, I got to know everything because I do radio and answer questions yeah. and we get calls and all kinds of topics. Yeah. So that's di different. But you got to understand that when you do this, um, it, it can be difficult. So if you are interested and you want to learn, I, I seriously recommend you do an outline. And I'd be good sometime to get on here and show you how to do stuff in, inside of Word, uh, little tricks and stuff like that. Not a big deal. And you just use it. And I also believe you should use uh, dis, I mean, um, LastPass, which I could teach people how to use LastPass. It's a password thing. And there's tricks you can do to help you. And use Dropbox. Mm -hmm. uh, because the reason I'm saying all this is <clears throat> I used to teach computers. And you guys can't see it, but I have four 27-inch 4K monitors and a computer. The only moving parts are the fans. And I have two 2-gigabyte two M.2 uh, memory sticks, one for the C, one for the D. I've got, I mean, I got all kinds of stuff, okay? I'm an electronics guy. I know what it means. Hold on. I know what it means to use technology. Mm -hmm. And so I can teach people, I mean, I could do a whole hour lesson. Here's what you do to make your life easier so that when you want to do apologetics, you can do it. So I can have on here my last pass, which is a password manager system. I have it on my computer. When I put, I go to a site and I type in my, my password, it says, you want to make this as a password on, for this site? Well, yes, it'll show up here, but also I can put in notes. And this is password protected. So I can put in scripture references. I can put a whole bunch of notes. I can do it on my computer. I could be waiting in line. And I'll just click this, and I can go through and look at my scripture references. And I can memorize. And I can do stuff like that. You know. And the thing about using the cloud and using stuff is sure. that it becomes universally available. All you got to do is remember your password, one password. I could even teach you a technique to remember passwords on a hundred verse on a hundred websites, and you can do it. I can teach you how a technique for a hundred we, websites. We have to get to you work. back to talk about like that techie side, like technology using technology for uh -huh. apologetics. I think that'd be an that'd be a good topic in and of itself. Yes. 
Yeah. I'll, I use I'll, a lot of apologetic. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, I'll have you back on. Maybe you can, you can teach folks how to do the outlines in more detail and stuff. I think that'd be a great topic. In fact, if they were to do this, they could get their computers ready. Mm -hmm. I would tell them what to go ahead and get anyway, get Dropbox, get uh, LastPass, sign up for it, get these things, put them in. I could teach you how to use stuff and you become that much, that much more better. <laughs> you won't get better in your grammar, but you get better in your uh, apologies. That's right. Uh, even, that's right. Even more betterer. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's awesome. All right. Well, uh, let's move on to the next question. Before before I get to the next question, uh, and there's a, there's a bunch of them, so I hope I hope you're ready, Matt. There there's a there's a couple of them. We'll we'll get through a bunch if that's okay. Sure. Go for it. All right. Quick and slick. I just want to let folks know if you have not already, um, you can subscribe to the Revealed Apologetics YouTube channel. So far, we have. 1,700 subscribers. That's fairly small. So if you haven't uh, subscribed, like what's up with you, bro? Like go there now, subscribe and share this stuff because um, I've been hearing some great feedback. People have been really blessed by the content. And if this is being helpful to you, share it. So uh, subscribe, share and all that other stuff. All right, let's move on. So here's a question from Davinsky Makalensky. Okay, for both of you gentlemen, where do you see the next big challenges in apologetics, uh, in the apologetics world for the next generation? Why don't you take that one, Matt? Well, something's been happening in my mind about uh, things. I think the issue of truth is we need to start focusing on what the issue of truth is. I think it comes down to that um, because Satan is when you denied the truth of God's word. We need to understand what truth is. The only way to know if something's absolutely true is if an infinitely knowledgeable God reveals it to you. And that's done in the word of God. And so we need to know that word and we need to rest on that word. But here's something that's really important to people under, have to understand. If you go to 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, I'm going to read it to you. Okay. Here's something to think about. Let no one in any way deceive you for it, the arrival of, of the second coming of Christ, will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed the son of destruction. So that Jesus can't return until the apostasy comes first and the Antichrist is revealed. Now, that's important because <clears throat> I talk to Catholics. I say, you're the true church, right? They go, yeah. 1.4 billion people, right? Yeah. You're the, you sure they're the true church? Yeah. And I say, well, 2 Thessalonians 2.13 says that before the Antichrist comes, the true church, your true church, is supposed to go apostate. <gasps> they never thought of that. Well, as a Protestant, we believe that Catholicism is apostate, it's demonic, and it is. So that means Protestantism has to go apostate. Whoa. And it is going apostate. Mm -hmm. Turn on TV, you can see a lot of apostate moron wackos who teach out of the book of, of Nonsensicus and Excrementicus. They, those two books are their favorites. And so... <clears throat> Those are pseudo. Those are pseudopigraphal books, guys. That's pseudopigraphal. Pseudopigraphal. That's right. <laughs> and uh, you see my disdain for the lies that is occurring inside of the Christian Church. Mm -hmm. It's a battle for truth. The Word of God is the truth. Know the Word of God. Speak the Word of God. Quote the Word of God. That's the truth. That's the biggest thing we've got to do because it's got to stay true in the Christian church. But here's one of the problems I'm having now with preachers. Maybe it's just me. Okay. But now when I go to, cause I don't have a really home church right now, I'm kind of looking between and some, some friends are looking. Now what's happening is 
I sit down and I listen. I almost count. I almost, almost got a stopwatch. How long before they open scripture and start teaching out of scripture? Because like I went to one two weeks ago, and it took about seven minutes of intro, sermon intro, before he got to the word of God. And then I went to one on Sunday, and it was, I lost train of thought because it was topical. And the guy said, that's not his normal style, and he's reformed and everything. I'll go back again and listen. I remember one to one church, and it's just a story. Five, ten minutes of stories, intro. They're trying to make the word of God relevant, which means they don't believe in the truth and the power of that word. So <clears throat> when I was first a Christian in Southern California, <clears throat> if you guys know who Robert Schuller was and the Crystal Cathedral I, back in Southern California, okay. I didn't know anything. And I, I'm going to go check out this guy. And uh, he's the guy who said uh, that Jesus died to sanctify your ego trip. <clears throat> Moron. Anyway, so I went there and I, I waited to see how long it would take him to say the word Jesus. 20 minutes. I'm not coming back here. And then I went to Calvary Chapel with Chuck Smith, and I said, how long did it take before he mentions Jesus? The first word out of his mouth was Jesus. First one. I go, I'm here. The word of God is from Christ. And we know that because if you go to John 539, it says, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life, but it is these that bear witness of me. The scriptures are about Jesus. And Jesus says in John 12, 32, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. So we've got to lift up Christ and speak that word. What's coming? The challenge? Are we going to believe truth? Are we going to believe truth? The truth of God's word. We need to presuppose the validity of God's word, presuppose the truth of who Christ is, presuppose the validity, the truth of the Trinity and the power of that word. And don't be apologetic. Memorize it and speak it. It's better to learn that than, alert, than learn presuppositional apologetics, deontological arguments, epistemological, transcendental, ontological arguments, and how to refute them all. It's more important that you have the scriptures. Apologetics. I use it as an illustration. Schuller was a syncretic knucklehead prosperity gospel teacher. Add moron in there and you got it better. Um, <clears throat> so I look at apologetics as a gigantic field of okay. rocks and thistles and thorns and divots and little, you know, things. Watch out. Don't twist your ankle in that little hole over there and these little boulders. And, stuff. and in the middle of this big field, is a garden and it's a beautiful garden, but there's a high wall, stone wall, impenetrable behind it. And there's a single door. What we do as apologists is lead people through those barriers, through those, those divots around the thistles and the thorns around those boulders, you know, and get to that door, Jesus and point them to Christ. And then that's between them and the Lord at that time. But our, our job must not be to elevate intellect because I'm smart. I have a high IQ and I have sometimes fallen in that area. I will use my intellect and that can only be a tool to get them to Christ. So Christ has to be the center and this truth of his word has got to be the thing that's bear witness of him. So you have to focus on Christ and do that properly. You got to memorize his word and everything else will fall in place. And that's mm -hmm. what I would recommend. Yeah. Very good. Um, I would say that one of the challenges amongst many is just um, 
um, laziness with regards to uh, younger Christians. Christians are just really lazy. They're in um, churches like Matt was talking about where there's not a, uh, a Christocentric and scriptural centric emphasis. And so a lot of people are just ignorant of what the word of God says. And so we are raising a generation of ignorant people that um, are going to church as sort of a social club. And that, that has been a problem for years, but I think it is magnified given the fact that um, social media, cell phones, these type of things that create zombies of young people, um, that they're just unable to think critically because um, right. they're just on their phones all the time. I say that from the perspective of a teacher, so I get to see that firsthand. Um, right. But it is a real thing. A lot of people are just woefully ignorant because they just don't have the capacity to uh, really think long and deep about things, and they're not getting it from many of their churches. So that's what I would say with regards to that. Next question here, uh, Eli, what is your method for memorizing scripture? Um, I'm an audio learner, so I listen to people who memorize scripture. And so I'm dead honest. Most of the things that I would quote, Galatians 4, 4, he was born of a woman, born under the law. That's why Jesus had to pray. That's why Jesus had to do this, that, or the other thing. I've learned that from Matt. And so one of the things that I do to help me memorize scripture is to listen to people who are good at memorizing scripture. And I allow that to be, like I said before, the background music of my mind so that I get better and better at it when I'm when I, when it is needed for me to uh, use scripture in the context that God has placed me in. So that's how I would answer that question. Here's another question. Um, what is your book recommendation for someone who has never read a presuppositional apologetic book? I assume that one's for me um, as well. Um, I would say Always Ready. That's a staple uh, Greg Bonson book. It's kind of uh, a biblical foundation as to why we do presuppositional apologetics. So it grounds you and roots you in scripture. Um, and then, of course, works out the methodology based on scriptural principles. All right. Here's a question. I also try a, 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 another one. He was he was uh, Bonson's teacher is John Frame. Yeah. His book, Apologetics of the Glory of God. That's and right. John is super brilliant and he has this way of being able to break it down and stuff and stuff. So that's right. Very good. Uh, this is a question from Tanner Terry question, Matt, I watched your debate with father Deacon Ananias. Do you think you, you learned anything in that debate? If so, what did you learn? I don't remember the debate hardly at all. I don't even remember what we talked about. So I can't it was really Eastern say Orthodox gentlemen. I think you debated yeah. him on discord. Yeah. What was the topic? Uh, ooh, I think it, it might have been related to the issue of the authority of the church, knowing what the scriptures are. How do you know what but something along those lines? Well, generally, when I debate people who are pretty good from the other perspective, I always learn something, but it's usually minutia. It's mm -hmm. usually, uh, you know, I got to get that one quote better in this one area. Okay. It's, it's more fine detail, and and so I don't remember too much about it. Sure. But uh, I, what I do remember is he didn't do very well. I remember that. I remember that as well. I say that respectfully, but I think you you uh, you exposed some pretty good stuff there. That wasn't recorded. I mean, it might have been recorded. It might be on YouTube somewhere. It was um, Sola Scriptura. Yeah, maybe it was. Yeah, maybe it was. Yeah. It, it was a while ago. Yeah, um, think what Sola Scriptura is. This is important. Sola Scriptura is that the Bible is the final word, the final authority, and everything it addresses. Doesn't mean we don't look at, at uh, tradition or councils, but right. it's the final authority. And so people deny Sola Scriptura. What they're actually doing is saying. We don't really need to trust God's word as the final authority, what he says. We need to also look at man's tradition. That's Satanism. Did God really say? Yeah. All right. Thank you for that. Um, uh, Caroline McKernan, McKernan maybe? Uh, what's the best version of the Bible? Why don't you take that one, Matt? 
<clears throat> the uh, Old Testament Hebrew and the New Testament original Greek. Those are the best version. Well, I mean, you're not lying there. That <laughs> I mean, if you mean in English, uh, I uh, I just I swear by the uh, NASB 95 version. Okay. Yep. NASB, ESV are the two the two that I use. Yep. Very good. NASB is better than ESV in okay. a lot of areas, and ESV is better than. The NASB in some areas. <laughs> All right. It's like, I bet you the NASB could beat up the ESV. If it, got... <laughs> it has more letters. That's right. Um, uh, Jess Marie uh, Sedgwick says, I love Revealed Apologetics and Karm.org. Thank you very much for that. That's very nice. Shouldn't it be Karm.org and Revealed Apologetics? I don't know. Well, you're on my channel now, so technically yeah. it makes sense that that goes first. Yeah, very good. All right. Okay, we'll let it slide then. Okay, so Tanner comes, he strikes again with another question here. Which canon is inspired, and how do you know which canon ought to be used by Christians? If the answer is the Holy Spirit, please elaborate on the mean <laughs> through which the Holy Spirit works. Oh, this is usually asked by Catholics and Eastern Orthodox. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> the canon that's inspired is one that we have, excluding the apocryphal books. And I can give you the reasons why that's the correct one. And how do we know what it is? Because Jesus said that this, the Christians, his sheep hear his voice, and God used the Christians in the church to recognize the word of God. That's that's the answer. That is it. But what, what a lot of times what they want is our church has the authority. We gave you the Bible and all this kind of, of, of idiocy. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Um, so I, I was thinking this too. Some Someone uh, asked the question, is it possible to get those outlines anywhere? You are you are making people's apologetical and theological glands water when you were showing all those outlines. Um, and so uh, someone was saying, are these things available anywhere, or is it just your personal your personal notes? They're my personal notes. However, my outlines on Calvinism are on. Um uh, I think it's called Notes on Calvinism, or on Amazon. You can purchase them. It's eight and a half by eleven. You also have, and I just purchased this one myself. Um, let me just put Matt Slick here. You also have a Christian Defense Manual, yeah, uh, available yeah. on Kindle, and it's pretty cool. It's got little outlines of on the top on various topics of theology and apologetics, so folks can pick that up. I think for like four ninety nine or something like that on Kindle. Yeah, there's a um, lot of information in there. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was excellent. So, all right. I hope that was helpful. Uh, let's see. Let's and I do plan on releasing the other outlines in the future, but they yeah, take a lot do. of work. Yeah. They take one to 200 hours of work to, to produce them. Yeah. Sometimes more. Please do. I, when I purchased that little Christian defense manual, I mean, I, I know your site, but everything right there, nice and organized. It was wonderful. So I, I highly recommend folks and go. Didn't and, I, didn't I give you my uh, outlines on Calvinism years ago? You did. You did. I still have those as well. And I have a physical copy also. And they're really helpful, right? Yes, they are. Yeah. Okay, good. Just making sure. Okay. Let's see here. Choo -choo -choo -choo. There's a good question here by Rational Evidence. He asks, can you talk about praying through scripture? Use verses as prayers. Uh, two birds with one stone instead of just memorizing by itself. Uh, what's the value of praying the scriptures, Matt? I don't know if it's a good idea to pray through the scriptures. Um, okay. Because it means, what do you mean by that? Uh, if you are saying, well, I read a scripture and I pray about what it's saying, and you're asking God to, to reveal that in your heart more, uh, that's fine. But if you're mean, you, you just recite the words as prayers, they're not intended to be recited as prayers. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's, that's it. You know, it's like Psalms are worship. Uh, and so sometimes worship is prayerful. And then there's some, you know, Lord, I pray, you know, like the prayer, uh, our Father who art in heaven. Well, 
You know, do you pray that? Well, yeah. But is it meant to be a literal prayer that's repetitious? I don't believe so. So it just depends on what they mean by it and, and you know, and stuff like that. That's what I would say. Okay. It just depends. All right. And Rational Evidence has another question. Why spend time memorizing uh, memorizing address, I guess the address of certain teachings in scripture in the age of Google? Alternately, it is uh, sufficient to memorize book and chapter. It forces people to read in context instead of standalone verse. I'm not sure what the question is, but I yeah. suppose why, why memorize when we have everything at the in the palm of our hands? Well, you don't have everything in the palm of your hand. In fact, if you're talking to somebody about uh, about Jesus, as I've already done, what's, what's the Bible about? The Bible's about Jesus, John 5, 39. Because, you know, you search the scriptures in them, you think you have eternal life. You'll be witnessing to somebody in a bathroom. You'll be witnessing to someone in a restaurant. You'll be witnessing somebody. I've done this before where I jumped out of a situation and went out in the streets in, a, in an intersection and, and told the guy some stuff. You know, his car, uh, you know, you want to have verses, you want to have stuff in, in your head, but if it's not in your head and your heart, where's the Holy Spirit going to draw from what will he draw to use you? See, <clears throat> a lot of people, they don't realize if you want to be used of God and you want to ask God to use you, then I warn you about that. Don't do that unless you're serious. If you want to be used of God, then I would say to you, what I would say is get a piece of paper that's blank. And in the upper left-hand corner or upper right-hand corner, put the date. In the bottom, sign your signature. Put it, Get a picture frame, 8 by 11, and keep it. Put it on your wall. That's your contract with God. You date and you sign it. It's blank. No page, no lines, nothing. God fills it in. If you want to be used of God, you say, Lord, you fill that in. I don't care what you do with me. I don't care where you send me. I don't care. I don't care if I'm single or healthy or poor or rich. It doesn't make any difference. Do with me as you desire. I've told this to people before, but I also warn them. <clears throat> if you do that, what will happen is um, God will shape you. And he will put you in situations where he's going to be broken, reshaped. Because, you know, if you're building a, a piece of furniture for, or building something to sit and use that you're going to have, it needs to be shaped. It needs to be made. It needs to be polished. And God can certainly use rough, uh, inept people. But what he often does is disciple them, press them, refine them in various ways. Mm -hmm. And part of that is putting the word of God in your heart, primarily so that God can speak to you about what you are. And then he'll use you in situations. You'd be amazed. And you're going to want to have those verses in your head. It's so one of the motivating factors for me of early on was I'd be out witnessing to somebody. And they'd say, well, where does it say that? I don't know. And it bothered me because I didn't know where the verse was. And I couldn't cite it. And it made me look kind of dumb. So I started memorizing. So then when I'm out... I can, this says it here, it says it here, it says it here. Or sometimes what I'll do, literally talking to people in cults or Catholics or Muslims, they'll quote me something in the Bible. I go, I don't know where it is. I go, oh, tell me what it is. Maybe I know the verse. I'll help you out. When you say something like that, that takes years to get to. But you say something like that, you know, what verse are you talking about? You know, oh, that's, well, <clears throat> that intimidates them. Not that we want them to be intimidated, but they go, this guy studies. 
and it adds credibility to what it is you're doing. Mm-hmm. And we want to have credibility when we're trying to witness. And so I'm not saying do this for carnal reasons, but we need to be practical. We need to have this, this word of God in us. And if we're going to be asked to be used, he's going to want that word in us. It was in Christ. It was in Paul. It was in Peter. They didn't have Google. They committed these things to memory so that they could be used of God wherever they were. And if you think that you can just use Google, okay, really, you're talking to Jehovah's Witnesses. What are you going to do? Are you going to type, excuse me, Mr. Jehovah's Witness, I need to type something in right here. But what are we talking about? You've lost your credibility. They're going to think, this guy doesn't know his Bible. He's got to go to Google to help him out. Right. He doesn't study. Now you've lost respect, lost an opportunity. And this is serious business when we're talking about representing Christ. So yeah. learn scripture. Very good. Very good. Uh, you can answer this one quickly. Uh, do you have the cult refutation verses on your website? Yes. Very good. Uh, if you go on calm.org, there's entire sections on refuting Jehovah's Witness, Mormonism, and Roman Catholicism, and all sorts of views. So definitely check that out. Calm.org. C-A-R-M dot org. All right. Very good. Um, let's see here. Uh, Joshua Stanley asks, have you found any specific disciplines or practices helpful in memorizing scripture? I think you went through some of those uh, already. I don't know if you want to quickly summarize something or move yeah, on. Get to a piece next. of paper, get something, even if it's electronic, you can have a list of verses that you go to and you can memorize them, practice them and go to a place where you need to use them. You become proficient when you do something, you do it over and over again. Mm. That's what, that's when you got to do. People become proficient, use it. All right. Very good. Uh, Sean Shat asks, can you do a review on Bonson and the Sproul discussion? Uh, maybe that actually sounds like a great idea. I've been meaning to get to uh, some debates and do some analysis on that. So maybe I'll do that in the future. Thank you so much for that suggestion, Sean. Absolutely. Let's see here. Also, someone's making a comment here, which I'd like to turn people's attention to. Karm.org offers schools online as well. I have purchased or wait, who am I kidding? I actually, I think you gave it to me. <laughs> so I, Matt's so so generous. He sells these things online, but he's also given them uh, to people who, uh, at the time, I think I was flat broken. You, you blessed me with it. But I highly recommend people support Carm, um, and he's got some great online material as well. So um, you want to check that out. That's kind of his website organized into uh, almost like classroom outlines, which I think are very helpful. All right. Very good. Uh, Rational Evidence asks, how do you gain memorization proficiency without gaining pride? Uh, knowing chapter and verse builds so much pride in me, I can't see how it's helpful for, for my own spiritual growth. Then don't do it. God's not calling you to memorize scripture. If you cannot uh, get your pride tackled, if it becomes an issue of pride, 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 then mem- remember, uh, memorize verses on humility. Try Philippians 2. Start, start Philippians 2 and Colossians 3. Just go through those verses, those sections of pericopes of Scripture. Colossians 3, Philippians 2. And go through <clears throat> and find Scripture that deals with the issue that's going to speak to you about pride. And memorize those. And have those be the basis. Because you've got to remember something. You're representing Jesus. And we've, I've been prideful many, many times. And every time I go, Lord, please forgive me for that. Please use me in spite of my pride. And then you go forward and God gradually hones that down. And, but I'll tell you, it will never be gone. It will never be gone. It'll just be less and less and less. Just, that's just the nature of it as you Mm -hmm. get older. Mm -hmm. 
Very good. Thank you. Um, Julio uh, uh, Jimenez asks, should more apologetics ministries come from local churches as part of their organized ministries, i.e. Christian education, worship ministry, etc.? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I actually, um, as a simple answer to that, but um, it is true. Uh, apologetics is, is so not emphasized at the local church area that that's why you have people like on YouTube doing this. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, hey, apologetics is important. We need to get it out somehow. Um, and so you have YouTube channels, you have podcasts and things like that. But a lot of that is because there's just it's just not being done in the local church. Now, that's not true of everyone, but it is true on a very large scale. And so I do agree that um, apologetics should be done on the local church. It's not even a suggestion. It should be actually something that's part of the ministry, just as you would have, you know, men's ministry, kids ministry, and there's apologetics ministry. That's something that I think is, uh, should be a given. Well, one of the things I was suggesting is some churches, I, I think I did, I, but it was an idea at the very least, have 10 churches where they pool a little bit of money and they hire one person who does the circuit and teaches apologetics because it's it's a wide topic for one person in a church to do apologetics on staff you've got to be called like me or some other people to really do a halfway decent job and i'm not saying i do a great job and they don't uh, they can go to get tools and that's great if they can do it praise god get it done it should be in the local church but sometimes it's just not that practical and you yeah. need some more help and that's where ministries like ours come in like coming very good we're, we're 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 almost done matt okay just a few more okay you're doing great Oh, thank you. I was worried. Okay. Uh, Bill asks, is the NET a good Bible version? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> He's like, I just use the NSB, so I never read the NET before. <laughs> NET is okay. I've, I've gone through it a little bit. I'm not that you know impressed or not impressed. I just don't remember too much. I haven't done Bible analysis. I had to get a set of scriptures that I would use as as a, a plumb lines to go check various uh, verses. You know, John 3, 16, um, Colossians 2, 9. Uh, definitely uh, Romans 5.18. <clears throat> now, I think uh, another thing to keep in mind when you're asking the question, like what's a good Bible translation? Um, there are good translations and bad translations, but generally speaking, the answer to that question is going to depend on what you're trying to do. So if you're right. trying to do an in-depth you know, study and analysis of scripture, you might want a, a more literal translation. If you're using it for more devotional purposes, you might want a looser translation, as long as the nature of that translation is not changing really the content and meat of what the passage is intending to say. Right. Uh, Tanner asks, uh, Eli, I'd love to see you review the debate between Matt and the deacon. Uh, maybe. Um, I We have dealt with Eastern Orthodoxy here. We did a, uh, I did an interview with Hank Hanegraaff a while back, which is on the channel, which went very well. And then I had Dr. Tony Costa on for two shows, um, analyzing and critiquing that perspective. So um, I thought those two episodes were were a powerhouse in regards to response. Um, again, no person that I would interview would, you know, there's always going to be someone who says, well, that person doesn't represent our view properly. And perhaps even uh, Hank says he's not, you know, the best in that area. But I do think that our response video did cover a wide range of topics that are brought up and are still useful to uh to take a listen to. So I, I thought that was helpful regardless, but maybe we'll see. We'll see. All right. Let's see here. Bloop, 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 bloop. Good for you, Joshua Stanley. Good for you. There we go. Yes. Just purchased the Christian oh. defense manual. Good. Yeah. That's good too. Yeah. I totally, totally recommend it. Okay. We have um, another super chat of $5. Thank you so much. Israel of wisdom media. I really much appreciate the super chats. Every penny helps. And so I do appreciate uh, any contribution. So thank you so much for that. Um, but Israel asks, what do you think of planned written prayers 
like how the Jews do it instead of the fresh made improv imp improvised uh, evangelical view of prayer. So what, what do you think about that? Uh, I think it's dangerous to use uh, written prayers because it can become habitual and, uh, and that's it. Uh, but then again, we have impromptu prayer. My wife and I do. And we pray for the same things. Is it habitual? Well, yes, but it's an, it's you know it's intentional. So I think the intention of the heart is the issue. If that's what helps you, written form, okay. If you're praying through it and meaning it and you're concentrating on it, that's fine. If you're just saying it because you got to say it, that can happen whether it's written or um, spoken. So, yeah. All right, very good. Uh, Tanner says, what scriptures would you use to describe what's going on with the Trinity at the cross? I don't know what that means. In particular, how is each person of the Trinity involved in that act? I suppose in like the crucifixion or something like that? Yeah, then you have to get into the era of patripassianism. You also got to get into the doctrine of the economic trinity and the ontological trinity, but in particular, the ontological trinity, the nature of the incarnation. Then you got to talk about the hypostatic union, the communicatio idiomatum, and why they relate. And then you have to get into the perichoresis and divine simplicity. So these are some of the doctrines that all interrelate to talk about potential um interactions of the whole of the Trinity in the one person's incarnation, because perichoresis means that each person of the Trinity indwells and um, inter is inside of indwells, permeates the other persons. So how does that work in the incarnation? We don't know because there's just certain things the Bible has not revealed to us and then it becomes speculative. Yeah. And don't be intimidated by a lot of the fancy terminology that Matt just used there. Those, a lot of the theological terms are just fancy terms, which mean simple concepts. Sometimes they mean complicated concepts, but um, for the most part, uh, you can look up those words and kind of, oh, okay, I see what, what that what that means there. So um, you might want to listen back at this and look up those terms in, in like a systematic theology or something like that. Yep. Uh, Terry Tanner gives another uh, super chat. Uh, thank you so much. He says, thank you for your time, guys. And uh, we appreciate that. Thank you. Um, and standing for truth says Matt Slick will be on my channel tomorrow night for a debate on morality. All right. Very cool. Definitely want to check that out. What's the name of the, is it's the channel is called standing for truth. Is that what it is? I think it is. Okay. got it on my calendar. I got a, yeah, I got a busy day tomorrow. I got a meeting at 10 o'clock in the morning at 1233, another one at one and another one at seven. And then I got radio at, uh, four. It's going to hmm. be a long day tomorrow. Wow. Uh, Helen Petticord, uh, asks, are Eli and Matt agreeable of teaching young children apologetics? So I suppose yes. we believe, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it can be done. Uh, there are ways to simplify it uh, for those who, who follow me for more specifically the presuppositional stuff. I mean, Greg Bonson, uh, was an analytic philosopher who placed a great emphasis on epistemology, but when asked this very question, he said that you can teach these biblical apologetical principles to a child. And then he went to go through a proof for God's existence. He called the toothpaste proof for God's existence. And he showed how to prove God's existence through using toothpaste. He says, so you can contextualize these things. That's why it's important to master these concepts, because when you master the concepts, then you have the freedom to contextualize what you've learned and apply it to whether you're speaking to a young person, an educated person, a somewhat educated person, or the guy with the big forehead who's drooling from his mouth and doesn't know, you know, doesn't know much. So can I show you something? Sure. Sure. All right. I'm going to share the screen. Okay. Yeah. Talk about children apologetics. I got I've been thinking about resurrecting this and, and working on it to finish it. Let's see what people think of this. And, uh, <clears throat> uh, 
don't know if you can see that or not, if it's visible enough. It's a little blurry. Uh, I can only make it so big. This yeah. is, um, okay. This is something I've been, I started working on. Spiral bound right down here in the middle. Okay. This is for children, for mom and dad and their 2.3 children to use to um, teach them at the dinner table. Mm. And so it has scripture. You can't see everything. Scripture. Right. It has, if you only have a few vert of a minute or two or whatever, you can also highlight those things down there. It's just, you can go through these uh, questions here. <clears throat> Here's learning points, commentary on this. If you want to get even further, you go into more information. And I've got it set up for creation days, mm. Adam and Eve. Is this being sold or you're just working on this to release it? Working to on this. Okay. And the Covenant Theology, Tower of Babel, Abraham Offspring. The pictures are for a coloring book so the kids can color. Mm. And uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, I do representative things. And I'm about, I think it's about all they've got. 24, how many lessons? 25, 26, 27. Yeah. So I've only got, to, I'm only at the Moses and the burning bush. And the, the goal is, uh, this is where I was stop. stop. The goal is you read scripture, ask questions. You go through and demonstrate the, the mom and dad give the answers. Here's little bits of teaching. And there's more information on the right-hand side. The next day, they just go to the next lesson. Okay. So it's always the lessons on the left side. <clears throat> It'll have an index, table of contents, and it's designed in such a way that you can go through it. Once you're done, you can go through it over and over and over again because mom and dad know how to bring different levels of information that are inside of this thing. This is for children apologetics. It's a teach, uh, have mom and dad teach your children mm. the, the various things that are necessary. Like, look at this, something really, I love this right here about Moses. Moses spent 40 years in Egypt learning he was someone. Moses spent 40 years in the desert learning he was no one. Moses spent 40 years being used by God as no one. Wow. Very cool. There's little things that are, that are useful. And so that's, that's uh, I've had it field tested. I haven't picked it up in five years. I got to do that. I think it's something that is very necessary, especially lately, but yeah. it takes a great deal of work to uh, produce it. All right. Very good. Uh, for folks who are asking about the Christian defense manual, I just put the link in there in the chat so people can uh, check that out. Um, they can get a physical copy and a $4.99 Kindle copy. Um, I got the Kindle copy, so I have it in the back, my back pocket. So um, good stuff. Well, that is the final, uh, that was the final question there, Matt. This was an excellent discussion and um, I hope folks have found this content really helpful. They should definitely check out karm.org. There's just so much stuff there. I mean, I have two articles on my own website. Matt has, I don't even know how many articles you have. <laughs> Over six, 6,500 or something like that. I, I remember, know. I remember, I remember asking you a long time ago, I was like, Matt, why don't you write a book? And you were like, why? I have like thousands of articles. You put that together, it's like an encyclopedia. And he's yeah. like, and if I, I sell a book, only a, a couple of people get it. You know how many page views I get on Karma? That's a good point. I mean, you got you got countless and countless of material that can be kind of like multiple books. So people should definitely check. Yeah. It out. Well, guess how much I did a, a the uh, I did accounts uh, last month. I finally updated everything. Okay. We've had a hundred and forty five million visitors. Oh my goodness, that's amazing, man. That that's awesome. By God's grace.
by God's grace. I love, uh, you used to, um, maybe you still do, maybe you have it with you, but um, I remember you, um, and this is a good way to, to wrap things up, to kind of bring things into perspective of, um, it can be intimidating for folks to hear all this and be like, how the heck am I going to start doing apologetics? I mean, there's so much stuff to, to learn. Um, it is true that there's a lot to learn, uh, but we, Matt and I are not some special category of people such that we can do this and no one else can, right? Matt used to have a little cup that was uh, had a little crack in it, and still you, have it. Yeah, and you you would speak about that um, that uh, cup, and it would remind you that you're a broken vessel. And I think that's um, a good reminder. We are not perfect. We're not particularly smarter than everyone else. Um, yet God has, by His grace, um, seen fit to use us in the context that He's placed us in, and God can do that for for anyone else who's willing to uh, really just submit to His Word and to um, step out in faith, trusting in God's provision to just speak the truth in a world that needs to hear it. So I want to encourage folks with that. Now, I thought that was the last question, Matt, but did you want to say something? And then there's one more question someone asked and gave a super chat. I really appreciate it. Second um, Kings. Yeah, Second Kings. We'll put it on the thing whenever you're ready. But did you want to say something beforehand? Sure, I can answer that. It's uh, when uh, the bears came out, ordered by uh, Elijah to come out and kill the children. Okay. Moral dilemma. There, first of all, there is no moral dilemma because anything that God does is always right. But contextually, it's because a bald man to say, hey, go up, you bald man, go up. He was Elijah. Elisha has already gone up before it was at the reverse. It already been ascended into heaven, which means he was gone. Go up, bald man. So they were threatening him maybe threatening to kill him because they're saying, go up like the guy before you had, he's no longer here. So you go up bald headed man, which is a sign of disrespect to an elder. Plus where are their parents and why are they not with their parents working and doing what's necessary as they take care of their family because they're obligated to do that. He was going up by the way, young lads came from the city out and mocked him. So they're disobeying their parents, they're disobeying the, the law, and they're mocking a man of God. Go up, you bald head, go up, you bald head. And when he looked up, he saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Two bears came out and destroyed 42 of them because they were mocking God. They were not at home doing what they're supposed to be doing. They were threatening his life as a group of 42 of them, which is a mob, were threatening him. And God says, nope, not having any of this, wiped them out. And that's what happened. That's why. Okay. And, and, and suppose you, you just heard that answer and said, well, I don't know if I could remember that and share it with someone. Then go back to the beginning of what Matt said. Everything that God does is right. Okay. That is sufficient in responding to that question. Right. Because, because this question, when people bring up moral problems, it is usually something that God does or allows that people say, well, wait a minute, there's something wrong with that. As though there is a standard of morality by which God is being judged and he's not acting okay. in conformity with those things. God in his essence is righteous, perfect, and holy. And so everything he does is righteous, perfect, and holy, even when he does things that you don't like. It's as simple right. as that. There's no problem there. If anything, it's simply an emotional problem. And for us, for our purposes, for purposes of truth, that's really irrelevant to the truth of, this, of, the, of that particular passage there. Amen. So there is the detailed answer, which is useful. And I think you should know how to answer in that regard. But if you're in a tight spot, I mean, just it always goes back to the character of God and he is the standard. And so appealing to God as the standard, I think, is sufficient in, in various contexts. Okay. Amen. All right. So. 
that is it. That was the final question. Thank you so much, everyone, for uh, listening and uh, giving your support. Those who gave a super chat, we really appreciate it. Um, just one more quick reminder. If those who want to still learn uh, presuppositional apologetics, you can go to revealedapologetics.com and uh, sign up for Precept U. Um, and the deadline for that sign up is going to be February 15th. So if you're interested in that, uh, get to the website and sign up um, whenever you can. All right, Matt, would you like to share anything before we close off? No. <laughs> All I right. can't think of anything. Well, on that awkward, on that awkward note, we're going to end. So thank you so much, guys, for, for listening in. We appreciate your support. And until next time, take care and God bless. Bye-bye. God bless, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to Revealed Apologetics. If you have any questions that you would like me to answer um, on one of our podcast episodes, please feel free to send in your question uh, at revealedapologetics at gmail.com.